0: Presents the Pick Six Podcast featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Locomfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick Six Podcast.
1: Football Monday to you and yours. Pick Six, Nick, Will, and Pete JLC on assignment. You know where to find us. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Search Pick Six podcast. Leave that five star review. Mostly because I'm super insecure and need your validation to get through the day, gentlemen. Let's begin. Julian Edelman out for the season. Will Brinson torn ACL in New England's preseason victory over the the Detroit Lions on Friday night.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to be the uh, optimistic guy here. I'm going to leave that to Mr. Prisco. I think that. You're, is, you're leaving
1: the optimism to Pete? This is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, right?
0: Right? Because somebody's gonna do it for once in a blue moon.
2: I think that it's worth noting more than anything. The Patriots still have weapons. They're gonna be fine. You know, they have tons of running backs coming out of the backfield. They have Gronk. They have Brandon Cooks. They have Danny Amendola. They have Chris Hogan. They're loaded with wide receivers who play to what the Patriots do well. But I think when we start talking about all the 16-0 you know projections and the idea that the Patriots are, are going to be better than the 0-7 team and run the table. Um, it, this is a friendly reminder that the NFL is really hard, really random, and that guys get hurt out of nowhere. Edelman in the third preseason game, his season is over, and this is a guy whose average guy is 133 targets over the past four years. He is Tom Brady's security blanket, Tom Brady's little mini-me, and I think it hurts the Patriots that he's that he's gone.
0: As long as Tom Brady's standing upright in the pocket, they have no worries whatsoever about their offense. Zero. When Gronk goes out, they keep on going. When they had garbage at wide receiver, they keep on going. It doesn't matter. As long as his offensive line, and that's the one thing that has stopped them uh, in the years when they haven't won Super Bowls, the offensive line hasn't been up to snuff. As long as the offensive line plays well, and they played much better last year, he's going to find weapons. It'll be fine. Quit worrying, Brinson. You're throwing a bunch of, negativity into this podcast and we do not like that on this podcast no
1: especially not but, K- but, captain but, negativity pete, himself pete briscoe does not like pete, negativity
2: Pete is this is my like i wish this is a video show right now so people would know that pete is wearing a shirt that says team player but there is an actual i in the word team proving that yes in fact there is an i in team that is how self-centered and and like marvelous the the ego of pete briscoe is that he has oh. a I'm just a realist. I wear it on a shirt. You
0: guys all <laughs> believe it, but you don't show it to everybody else. You hide it. No, I think this... I'm
1: I think I'm pretty honest about it.
0: Yeah, you love yourself too. Um, oh, well, yeah.
1: And really and really, what's not to love on Instagram at the Costos, please follow me. I need it. Um
0: Plenty gonna, of stuff. I'm not gonna to disagree,
1: love. Pete, with something you said, but I think it's gonna support the point that you made also. Um I think you're right, right? Because you got Brandon Cooks and there's Dwayne Allen and there's still Gronk and Burkhead and and James White and Deion Lewis. Brady's going to have weapons. But the thing about the offensive line that you said, and this is the greatness of Brady, I don't look at it so much as the years they didn't win that the offensive line cost them. I look at it as they went up against transcendent-type pass-rushing teams, whether it was the Giants with with JPP and Tuck and Strahan and O C etc., or the Broncos with Von Miller coming off the edge. I mean, maybe they're not going to go 16-0, and but look, they're not going to be as good as the '07 7 team because Tom Brady is 40 this year. He was 30 back in 2007, and they had a guy named Randy Moss on the team who was pretty damn good as well. So I don't even really care about the 16-0. and Maybe they go 13-3, and 14-2, 12-4 at worst. But bottom line, Pete, this is still your Super Bowl favorite, even minus Julian Edelman.
0: Of course they're their Super Bowl favorite. They have Tom Brady, and you know, you mentioned the offensive line. When they had problems against Denver a couple of years ago, in the championship game, it was because the offensive line wasn't good enough. Well, they made it better. They improved it. They're a better offensive line. Uh, as long as Brady is standing upright, as long as Bill Belichick is is you know coaching the football team and Josh McDaniels is a brilliant offensive line, they will be fine. Look, the reason they compensate for all, getting rid of Chandler Jones, getting rid of Akeem Hicks, getting rid of Jamie Collins, blowing the Coney Ealy trade, despite the fact that people say it only slid down eight spots. The fact that they do all that, they can get away
2: with it, it's cause Tom Brady's their quarterback. Yeah. And they did blow the Coney in the trade, by the way. About and you to- know
1: what, like, and it's so funny, cause Pete, I'm gonna give you some credit here, because you're always on Bill, like, and you say he's the greatest coach ever, but you say he has made some errors in, in personnel, right? It was Correct. incredible, like, people are defending Belichick by going, well, at least he admitted his mistake early, plenty of other GMs wouldn't do that, or, He made a mistake and, like, deserves to be criticized for it. Like, everyone capes up for this guy, and he's the greatest, and he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. But, like, he is, he's not infallible. Like, he is capable of making mistakes.
0: It's unbelievable. I mean, at the end of games, he botches the end-of-game scenarios, and everybody bombs me for pointing him out. When he makes a mistake, like, trading, and they go, oh, he didn't trade, he didn't give away anything, he only traded eight spots. So, essentially, he traded a second-round pick for a third-round pick. Do that every year and see how good you do in your drafting, okay? It makes no sense to me why they defend him all the time. He's the greatest coach of all time. He's been brilliant when it comes to building a roster, but he makes mistakes coaching and personnel wise as much as, just like everybody else.
2: I wouldn't say just like everybody else, but he does make mistakes. He's not infallible. He doesn't make mistakes. Bob like Brady
0: it. cures him. Keem Hicks would be nice on their defense right now. Chandler Jones would be a hell of a pass rusher on their defense right now. Oh come on he makes mistakes he gets rid of guys because he can because Brady cures
2: all the ills Give me well, a I would mo- say I would, well, I would say he makes less mistakes than most people Because he, he has just, Brady he got lucky he got him in the 6th round But that's but that doesn't affect the number of mistakes he makes like he mess he makes he makes less dumb mistakes than an average NFL team or the majority of NFL teams
0: but is getting rid of Chandler Jones when you don't have a pass rusher a good
2: move
1: no, oh, I mean I mean I'm well, not I saying mean, it was a Pete, good move but... Pete, they won the fricking Super Bowl last year. He have Brady. But like but like but he makes those moves probably like knowing that he's got Tom Brady though and he knows that he can handle it.
0: Correct. That's what I said. Right, right, but again, I mean, I, saying... but I think the
1: point is stupid though because it's like, like, like you're banging on the guy for for making decisions because he's got Brady, but he's got Brady, so who cares? Who cares what the reason is?
2: Are you suggesting that Bill Belichick has the same failure rate as like your average coach, like a Ryan Grigson, or I mean, average coach and GM, like Ryan Grigson and Chuck Bogato? Surely you're You're not. You're not. Uh, you're not no, that.
0: no, but but it's also a lot easier to, um, uh, you know, be a guy who can get rid of good football players when you had Tom Brady to cure your ills. I mean, he may he makes up for. Any mistakes he does make, there's no doubt about it. He's still good at what he does, but he's just—he's not a guy without flaws, just like the rest of them.
1: Now, I don't really care for the talk of a 16 and 0 season, unless we're talking about are you going to gamble on it? In which case, then I will be interested. But this—I don't think this team's as good as the 07 team. Like that's a 30 year old Tom Brady versus a 40 year old Tom Brady. But I think one thing we can agree on, right, is that even minus Julian Edelman, the Patriots are still far and away the favorite to win the Super Bowl this year.
0: Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, look, they the division isn't very good, although I think Miami will be better than people think. Uh the AFC isn't very good. Um I, you know, I think I clearly think that they're going to end up in the Super Bowl no matter what. And you know, then once they get there, one game, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, of course they're the favorite to win it all.
2: Yeah, I mean that's <clears throat> that's all well and good. I mean, yeah, 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 they're the favorite. They play a garbage division. They uh the, the Bills are tanking, the Jets are tanking. Dolphins might be better, but yeah, like they're going to win 12 or 14 games. And, you know, it's, I think the Edelman thing will show up at some point. Um, maybe, maybe even early on in the season because of the inexperience. And Tom Brady talked about this. I mean, look, he's, he's, I mean, he's done a lot of work with Julian Edelman and not a lot of work with a guy like Brandon Cooks. And I think that, you know, that matters a little bit you are talking about getting ready for the season,
1: but the, but there's still Chris Hogan and, and there's still Amendola and Dwayne Allen and Gronk, obviously. Like they, as Pete said, they're going to be James White, Dion Lewis, Rex Burkhead. They're going to be just fine here. And uh, we'll get into the Bills potentially tanking in a little bit because they have made another trade that's coming up shortly. But will we? Uh, we have to hit this Vontez Burfick situation out of Cincinnati. This is a wild story right now.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's blowing up because you know Vontez Burfict one of the more dirty players in the entire league decided to lay out Anthony Sherman in a week two preseason game. The NFL caught wind of it in reviewing the tape from that game and decided to reportedly suspend him or five games. He's facing a five game suspension. He can appeal. I don't believe the league has announced it yet. Uh, Basically here's the deal. This off season, the NFL instituted or changed a rule in in the rule book to, to expand the scope of players that would be defenseless to include anyone running a route, whether it's a wide receiver, running back, or tight end. And in this case, it was Sherman out of the backfield. He's running a little angle route, and he's turning around looking for Alex Smith to throw in the ball. It's a third down situation. Smith ends up completing a 36-yard pass all the way down to the field to Travis Kelsey. But after the ball had been released, and while Sherman was still defenseless, Fontes Burfitt comes in and cleans his friggin' clock, knocks him out. You can question whether or not it was a... You know, a legal hit from a helmet-to-helmet perspective. He wasn't necessarily head-hunting, but he clearly made unnecessary contact on a guy who was supposed to be defenseless coming from the side and in a friggin' preseason game, too.
0: It was a dirty play. Look, the bottom line is it's a preseason game. You don't need to do that kind of stuff any, ever. But to do it in the preseason game only magnifies it. The ball was over the top. It clearly was a shot to go hit a guy when he wasn't looking. It was, a you know, the rules... Have changed this year. That's a dirty play. It's a dirty play even if the rules hadn't changed. And that's who Vontaze Perfect is. He's been that way for a long time. I'm an Arizona State alum. I've watched his career closely. He's done it at Arizona State. He's done it in the NFL. And you know what? Five games is appropriate for what he did. He's been warned many times in the past. He continues to do it. Get him off the field.
1: You know what it reminded me of, Pete? You remember the Warren Sapp cheap hit on Chad Clifton in a Bucks-Packers game, what, 15 years ago at this point?
0: I was at that game. Put on a jersey. Put on a jersey.
1: And, and that was an egregious hit by Warren Sapp, regardless of what he may say to this day. This sort of reminded me of that. Like, Sherman, in his mind, the play's over. Like, the ball's 20 yards down the field. And Perfect just frickin' lays him out. And here's the thing. Like, Will, you say, like, five games. Like, when you hear that, it's like, wow. Like, that seems like a lot for a play like this. But it's Vontes Perfect we're talking about. And, like, you get inside the psyche of Vontes Perfect. Like... Will, the guy like legitimately can't help himself, right? It's like he's in that spot, like no matter how many warnings he's got, no matter how many times they suspend him, like he sees, okay, receiver running towards me, he's defenseless, I'm gonna clean his clock right now. Like the guy actually cannot rein it in, like he can't do it.
2: Yeah, he's got like a, a hitting problem, right? He's, like, he needs to go to hitting rehab or something, <laughs> like, something like that. I, mean, I, th- like, I think they call like, that
1: like che- anger management or something.
2: Yeah, cheap shot rehab or something like that. <laughs> like, like a 10 step program. I mean, it's, I mean, it's bad dude, like you look at the, The stuff in August, you know... Gio Bernard coming off an ACL, and he's diving low at him, and he's causing training camp fights with the Bengals. Now, you like to have a guy who brings a physical approach to your defense. Will, Will, think about
1: that. Think about that. Your running back is coming off a torn ACL. It's one of his first training camp practices, and Vontez Perfect goes low to take him down, causing his own teammates to go. This wasn't like an intra-squad scrimmage. This was his own teammates coming at him. I mean, the guy. what is wrong with this guy?
2: He's like, come on, man, just give me a hit. I just need a hit, please. I mean, he's, he's like addicted to these these dirty hits. It's crazy. though. I mean, like, you know, you had the end of the, you know, you had the Bengals um, in that Steelers game when he went after Antonio Brown. You know, you have, you just have all these different instances of Vontez Perfect doing dirty things on the field. And at some point, you know, whether it's his own teammates, whether it's somebody else, somebody is going to get really, really injured. And the NFL is trying to send a message to Perfect.
1: So, Pete, P- people, me soft last week for my take on Beckham, and this is obviously a, a different deal here, but I know that you have a strong, like like what Will said, like someone, and this is not us being soft. This is us being real, right? Like someone could get really hurt with this crap that Perfect's pulling.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a dangerous sport. It's a violent sport, but it doesn't need to be a dirty sport. And when I say that somebody could get killed on the field, I'm not exaggerating. If that, that guy's in a, in a limp position, it, basically that's what he was. His body had gone limp. He was relaxed. I mean, he was, yes, he was curling in the wrap, but he knew the ball was going over his head, and then he blasts him like that. You could break his neck, and if you break his neck, you could kill a guy. I mean, my gosh, you need to be conscious of that if you're in the NFL, and I think the NFL is trying to make the league safer. One thing to be violent and- blast guys and hit guys because it's a violent, dangerous game, but it's another thing to go over the top and make it a dirty game, and that was a dirty play. So
1: if this Perfect suspension holds up and he's out week one against Baltimore, I think we had all sort of liked Cincinnati going into that game, right? Week one, um, Cincinnati and the Ravens in Cincinnati. But no Perfect, no Pac-Man Jones. The Ravens expecting Flacco to be back for that one. Any chance that uh, Baltimore pulls the upset here? Like, How big a loss would it be in week one if there's no Vontaze Perfect?
0: Well, they've played with him in the, without him in the past, but he's still one of the big part of their defense. I, I still think they'll win the football game. Uh, but no, it's, it's, anytime you don't have one of your top linebackers on the field, that's a loss. It's a big hit. He's a good player. He can cover the pass. He can run. He can get to the football. Uh, yeah, it'll be, it, they'll, they'll feel it. They'll still win the football game, though.
2: Yeah, I think you, you know, I mean, look, it's, it's not, it's not ideal, but when you look at what they've got weapon wise in terms of offense, I think that's where you, um, that's where the real focus comes in. Yeah, they can, they can make do with the talent they have on defense. I, I want to see how that, that offensive line holds up. Uh, Joe Nixon had a fumble on a, on a, uh, a handoff on Sunday, but he looked pretty good in the open field. Jeremy Hill scored a rushing touchdown because that's what he does from short yardage, um, but then suffered an ankle injury. And then you see, you know, AJ Green get peppered with targets. I think this offense has a chance to bounce back and be legit. If this is a team that wants to be a, you know, Super Bowl contender though they need they need to have all their stars on on the field and Perfect needs to quit being a, a jackpot out there.
1: But the funniest thing, by the way, is like I need I need he doesn't need a hit will like a drug addict he needs to hit. I need to yeah. hit. I gotta hit someone. <laughs> right. So the Bengals and he will their...
0: find somebody to hit. By the way, oh, he will find somebody. Well, that's
1: one thing that's for sure about Vontez Perfect. So the Bengals in their third preseason game, Mister Brinson took on the Washington Redskins and P. D. Briscoe's favorite quarterback, Kirk Cousins continued to struggle not the best effort from the redskins first team offense in that one
2: yeah it was uh not a, not a good look for the for the cousins company they they didn't manage a first down until 13 minutes less than 13 minutes were left in the second quarter is that bad then, it's bad it's not good bob and then they uh and then they picked that one up on a, on a on a read option keeper by uh kirk cousins with a little homage to to rg3 i guess i think the interesting things to think about here one you know, how much is Sean McVeigh's absence as the play caller? Jay Gruden's calling the plays now. You know, how, what's, how is that combination affecting the Redskins? You know, Jay Gruden having to double down the responsibilities. You're trying to get in sync. You know, I think, I think, I think over the last two years, you really saw with Sean McVeigh and Kirk Cousins that they were on the same page and it really showed up with the production. And then of course you have the weapons that he's syncing with as well too, right? Like Terrell Pryor's new. Josh Doxon's trying to come along. You have Jamison Crowder who's still there. And Jordan Reed, but you know, Pierre Garceau and Deshaun Jackson are gone now. So he's, he's sort of finding, you know, a new rhythm with the offense, with the guy calling the plays and a new rhythm with the, the weapons. I think you gotta be a little worried about Washington's offense, Pete. You gotta be a little worried about the quarterback. I've been saying I it all along. I, I don't mean, I, think I'm you do. I don't Washington. think
1: you gotta be worried. Cousins is, like, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but he's good enough. I don't think you need to worry about Cousins. You don't? I don't think so. Well,
0: well, I mean, if people were racing him up the board. Look at this franchise quarterback star player. He's not a star player. He's a serviceable NFL starting quarterback who's probably between 10 and 17 in the league. That's what he is, and that's what he'll always be. Uh, look, I'm not going to be the guy that sits here and puts all this in the preseason because I think you can get caught up in analyzing the preseason. It can eat you alive and you're wrong, but he had not looked good. And, and quite frankly, he didn't look good at the end of last year either. Let's not forget that. Even with, you know, Sean McVay there and his receivers and everything else. Man, Pete,
1: Pete, that week 17 loss to the Giants beyond inexcusable.
0: Right. You're, you're playing for, for a playoff spot and you, and you lose at home to the Giants. That makes no sense to me. So, yeah, I think this is a pressure packed season for Kirk Cousins. And again, I'm going to say it over and over again. I'm the one guy out there that continues to say it. Show me you can do it again and get to the postseason and play well in crunch time and i'll sit here and say i was wrong but until he does i'm not going to
2: bald take, pete uh, i don't know if you're the only guy out there there's another uh, like uh Kean fahey i don't know if you ever read his stuff he um he's not a huge fan of kirk cousins either so maybe you guys are like secret international best friends
0: uh no i i, I <laughs> I, I, look, I respect what a guy does, but the, he thinks he's never wrong and he is wrong as much as anybody. So we're all uh, wrong.
2: I do think, I'll tell you what's not looking wrong right now is the, uh, professional Red segue. Sp- well done. The Redskins decision to not pay Kirk Cousins hundreds and hundreds of millions of guaranteed dollars this offseason. Because I think, you know, like, like Pete said, you want to see him do it again. Not, you know, you might lose him this offseason, but. I don't know. I just, I just feel like you don't want to get in quarterback. They're in quarterback purgatory right now. And the only thing worse in quarterback they're purgatory They're not in quarterback,
1: is, quarterback purgatory. They have cousins on the roster. They're not in purgatory. They're in
2: purgatory because they don't have him locked down to a contract he can leave after this year. That's, you know, unless they franchise tag or transition tag again. That's purgatory. You're, not, you're in purgatory when you don't know if your guy is the guy. And I don't think the Redskins know that. I mean, he had two good years, but he's a guy who's elevated by the talent around him. I like Kirk Cousins, but again, give me Carson Palmer over Kirk Cousins in 2017.
1: I think you're nuts. I'll take Cousins. Oh, I,
0: I agree with you 100%. I don't think it's close, to be honest with you.
1: Um, I, I think it is pretty close, um, and I think it's Kirk Cousins over Carson Palmer. Now, you know, Wrong. We, we've bandied about the um, the Niners as being a potential destination for Cousins next year. That's and, professional stuff. That segment. was pretty good, right, to reunite with his old coach, Kyle Shanahan. You know, the Niners were – So bad last year that, like, you kind of – like, there are some decent pieces on this roster – like, obviously, it's only the preseason. But, like, this Brian Hoyer-led team, like, I can't believe the words coming out of my mouth right now. And I know it's ridiculous. It's preseason. But this Brian Hoyer-led offense with Marquise Goodwin as the deep threat down the field and this defense. How about Ruben Foster uh, laying the lumber in the preseason here? I- I'm liking what I'm seeing here. And I think they're going to win five or six games, an improvement over two. But this team looks like it could be frisky and won't be a total abject embarrassment like they were last year. I think this is going to be a
2: frisky Niners team. And I wrote about that in Sorting the Sunday Pile, which was published late on Monday because, um, I had some travel this weekend and we had family stuff and my, my wife's car battery died. And because Pete was filing his Monday musings on Monday, like he'll do every, day, every week during the season. No, he won't be doing
0: it during the season.
2: <laughs> anyway. That
0: was, um, that was a little tease is all that was.
2: Right. Uh, about the 49ers, I think there's two factors that go into it that I like to make me like San Francisco. One, their defensive front seven is going to be good, right? They've got talent on there and they got big bodies. It's the Thomas, DeForest, Buckner, Eric Armstead, Elvis Dumerville. Ruben Foster is a delight to watch and you see the pursuit and the tackling. If he stays healthy, I mean, the way he put Dalvin Cook on his, on his back, I think he's just going to be an instant impact guy. Probably a pretty good bet to win defensive player of the year depending on what the odds are right rookie now. Of the year. The a Rookie of the Year, excuse me. Yes, of course not. Player of the Year, that would be silly. But maybe, who knows? Um, and then the other thing on offense, they don't have a whole lot of elite talent, right? Like you don't really love their offensive pieces. Nobody's Jason's on the phone here, so he's not going to bang the table for Brian Hoyer. Um, but I think Brian Hoyer and Kyle Shanahan's system could at least be average, and average is not bad in the NFL. You know, if, you're, if you can be a top 16 to 20 quarterback, you can produce some numbers. You can be like a baby Kirk Cousins. And I think also when you look at this team. Um, what you see is Carlos Hyde, who looks really sharp, could be an explosive running back, even though he's not a perfect fit for that system. Pierre Garcon, a target hog. And then it makes a lot of sense to me that a guy like Marquise, Good- Marquise Goodwin could basically be the San Francisco version of Taylor Gabriel uh, for the 49ers, a deep speed threat who can take the top off. I, I kind of, I'm kind of intrigued by these pieces. I think their ceiling is six or seven wins. But if they win six or seven games with a roster that won, what, three over the last two years, then they're doing pretty good.
0: I don't have them winning a game, I don't think, until like week 15 or 14 or something. I don't I, Look, they're building to something. I give them a lot of credit, for, and I think John Lynch is the right guy to do it. But it's going to take a big overhaul. They still have issues on the offensive line, major issues on the offensive line. Uh, I still think when you look at their defense, they're kind of young there. Those guys are going to be good players, but there's a lot of youth there. But they're building to something, and they still got to find a quarterback. Is Hoyer good enough to stopgap you for you know 16 games to win three? Sure, but they need to find a franchise quarterback.
1: Um, Another team in the NFC West that's looked mighty impressive in this preseason. Pete, this Arizona Cardinals defense, I'll give you some credit, man, because you said after you were out there at camp, you loved what you saw from Hassan Reddick and Buddha Baker and company, the Honey Badgers back and making plays. We always hear about Bruce Arians in the offense, but this Cardinals defense has a shot to be pretty special this year.
0: Yeah, and, and don't forget about Robert Kemdici, who's been playing like the guy that they expected he would be, be as he, as he, when he got into the league. I mean, he's grown up a lot. They have talent. They're deep. They have a lot of guys they can roll in up front. Reddick adds some great speed. When Buchanan gets back, he's going to be a guy that can add some you know, more speed to the linebacker group. Getting back, Honey Badger back playing the way he can play. Uh, he had a pick the other night of, of, of Matt Ryan. I just think they're fast. They have one corner that's a concern. And that's, you know, when you have a corner that's a concern, obviously that's the weak spot. They'll pick him out you know what? Bethel's done a pretty good job in there this, this summer and won the job. So I think they'll be good enough in the secondary. They can also, later on in the season, start doing some things with Buda Baker and and Honey Badger. They're kind of hybrid guys. They can give you a lot of versatility back there. And they can rush the passer. You know, we, we talk about Chandler Jones, but Marcus Gold is a hell of a pass rusher from the other side. I think that defense is significantly better than people are giving it credit for, and they're going to push for that division title again with Seattle.
2: I don't disagree at all. What you see, too, is with Arizona, you get this this positionless football, right? Uh, and I think you see guys like Buda Baker and Hassan Reddick and Dion Buchanan and the Honey Badger, and they, they can all move all around the place, and it makes it, you know, you talk about that depth, Pete, but that versatility lets you operate a little more functionally and a little more explosively and a little more, uh, you're gonna be a little more nimble with your defensive approach, so I, I I'm, I'm, I'm in on the Cardinals this year in a big way.
1: You know, I, I feel like that this is gonna be a YOLO season for Bruce Arians. Coming off cancer treatment, said it could be his last season, an aging quarterback, the window might be closing. I, I think Bruce might throw caution to the wind even more so than usual. Kangol hat, five o'clock shadow, got the stubble. Bruce is going to go pedal to the metal this year, and I'm pretty excited to watch it.
0: Yeah, I do think this is going to be his last year, by the way. I don't know that for a fact. He hasn't told me that nobody in organizations told me that, but I just get the sense that you get a feeling that this might be his last year. So I'm with you. I think he's going to, he's going to go and go and go, you know, the flip flopping of the tackles looks like it's working. I think that's been a good move for him. Mike, you potty losing, you know, 25 pounds to become quicker and more athletic is working for them up front. Uh, you know, the whole key to me is keeping John Brown healthy. They have to keep John Brown on the field. Matt, That's Pete, just he Pete, was
1: good, Pete, in that third preseason game, a couple touchdowns in his first action.
0: Really, really good. And, and he was good in the work I watched him when I was out there. He's got to stay on the field. Uh, if he stays on the field, they're going to be explosive again on offense.
2: But who's the, and I, I don't disagree with John Brown, I'm just wondering if John Brown cannot stay healthy. You know, who's the guy that – is it Chad Williams, the rookie? Like, What, what are we looking at outside of Fitz? I think,
0: think Jaron Brown will be the guy. Jaron Brown's done a nice job of coming back off the knee injury. And Colquitt uh, – no, Brandon Golden did some good was – was it Golden did some good things the other day? Uh, I think when you look at them, they, they have the ability to get, make plays down the field. And Here's another thing that they haven't had. Troy Nicholas, the tight end, hasn't been on the field much in his career. And he, he's another guy that could do some things. That, that look. Another guy that's going to help the offense is Troy Nicholas. I mean, this guy's been banged up his entire career, but he's a guy that gives him a legitimate threat, uh, at tight end to go with Gresham. Uh, I think that the offense is going to be explosive. They're going to push for a Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, they're going to push for a division title. I don't know if they're good enough to win a Super Bowl, though.
2: I think it. Uh, uh, playoffs, get in the playoffs and get hot. You got, you got a defense and you got a quarterback. You get to the playoffs, you can get hot, you can win games, you can win a Super Bowl. Yeah,
1: you know what the problem is, though? Carson Palmer, once the playoff starts, he turns into a pumpkin. So, I mean, I don't see that happening for Arizona.
0: In two two playoffs in his career, he he suffered a major knee injury, and he played with a busted thumb. What are you talking about? Pete,
1: true or false, Palmer was brutal in the Cardinals' two-game playoff run a couple years ago. Brutal against the Packers, brutal against the Panthers. True or false? He had
2: a broken thumb or whatever, a finger. True or false, Carson Palmer has more pass attempts in the playoffs than Kirk Cousins.
1: Oh well, that's definitely true. Cousins is always well, playing a the Yeah,
2: definitely game. true. Cousins, Cousins, Cousins. Okay, so who's better, Carson
0: Palmer or Russell Wilson? Brinson. Uh,
1: I would say, guys, this uh, is a ridiculous Carson question. Pa- Carson Palmer. I'll take Carson Palmer. No, 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 no. no. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give you it. Will you know that game that you play where like you make the person say it out loud? Say it out loud in a full sentence I'll, form.
2: I will take Carson Palmer over Russell Wilson. I th- How about I Will, know.
1: by the way, stabbing his former NC State brethren in the back, Pete? That's pretty uh, impressive. He went to
0: Wisconsin. He went to Wisconsin, started at State. NC State, so
1: out. now Will doesn't own him. Will really at Pete, Pete Palmer or Russell Wilson? I, I, now look,
2: I think he, that I Perf, think he, Palmer is going to have a better year than Russell Wilson, but I think right now, if you're doing the general hierarchy, most people would take Wilson over Palmer. But I think if
0: you that's he because he's better. Darker.
2: Is he better? Yes.
0: Really. It's close.
1: It. I, I listen. I don't know. I don't think it's that close. But I mean, I think it's it's it's, it's a ludicrous take. So anyway. So okay,
0: wait, do you think you think Russell Wilson will have a better year than Carson Palmer this year? Nick Costas.
1: I mean, in terms of stats, maybe Palmer has a better statistical year, but I'd rather have Russell Wilson under center as my quarterback. That's not, than Carson what, that's not
0: what we're talking about. He just – Richard said that Carson Palmer is going to have a better year than Russell but who, Wilson.
1: I mean, Blake Bortles could throw 35 touchdowns this year. He still sucks, right? I mean, like, who cares about stats? Like, I want to win games. Like, maybe Carson throws for more yards and more touchdowns. I'd rather have Russell Wilson, though.
0: Well, right? If Carson Palmer throws for 5,000 yards – He's not throwing 30, for
1: 5,000 yards.
0: Okay, 4,500 yards, 38 touchdowns. And 10 he's not throwing.
1: He's not throwing 38 touchdowns, and he's I'm damn sure throwing more there. than 10. And picks.
0: then if Wilson throws for 25 touchdowns, uh, eight interceptions, and for 4,200 yards. Who has the better season?
1: And if my aunt had the male anatomy, she'd be my uncle. Let's move on if, here. If so like if
2: Palmer, if Palmer, if Palmer does that. Look like <laughs> if
1: Palmer does that. It's not a. It's
2: not that crazy that Palmer could do that. He's had years like that in the past. Uh, B. It's a Bruce defense, offense they chunk it deep, so there could be, and they don't stop scoring. So that it's it's plausible. And then C, he's going to be in the top five in the MVP conversation, and people aren't going to say nobody's going to ever take Carson Palmer over Russell because he's 37. But I think he has a better. I'll take him in 2017 over
1: Russell. I'll take I'll take Russell Wilson for me. For me, it's not close. So the Cardinals. I call.
0: I'll take a tie, and you know where I stand on Russell Wilson.
1: All right, the Cardinals have their quarterback in Carson Palmer, and now, guys, the Browns have their starter for Week Number One. We expected it when Pete and I did the pod on Friday, but now it's official. Pete Deshaun Kaiser will get the nod for the Browns week one when they host the Steelers.
0: And I think it's the right thing to do. I'm a big believer in Hugh Jackson and his ability to, to you know, put together a good offense. I think he has to pick the right guy, and he, this is the right guy. And the reason, because of circumstances. This is a team building to something. they got to find out if the long-term guy is the Sean Kaiser. And so you put him in there and you play him. It, it, you know, They know Kessler's not the long-term guy. They know Osweiler's not the long-term guy. So pick the guy that might give you upside past this season, build with him, grow with him, find out what he is. It's the right decision by the
2: Cleveland Browns. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, look, I I've said it. I said this last week, I believe, and I've said this I think on like 50 radio spots and and I wrote it again today in the column. You have 16 games to figure out what you have in Deshaun Kaiser. Every snap that you give to someone other than Deshaun Kaiser is a drastic reduction in the percentage of, of available, like, if you give three games to Brock Osweiler, you are slashing the amount of information and the amount of evidence you can get on Deshaun Kaiser. If this team is based on moneyball and statistics and advanced analysis, then you have to, you have to understand that you have to play him all 16 games. Because if you, if you don't, you are going to be left with a limited scope of knowledge in terms of what you have in Deshaun Kaiser and that is going to make it more difficult to make a decision about what you want to do in the 2018 NFL draft when there could be several good quarterbacks. You play Kaiser the entire season, no matter how bad it gets, because that's all this is about. This is not about winning six games or four games or three games. It's about finding out if Kaiser can be the guy.
1: I can't wait to make our picks against the spread for week number one. That's a couple weeks from now here on the Pick 6. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity in pencil now. Not in pen, so not confirmed, but as of right now, the Browns a nine point home underdog against the Steelers in week number one. Who are you leaning with against the spread? Will you first uh
2: generally speaking, the underdog team in a division right, right, game at home, even with the rookie quarterback, I, th- yeah, I think Pittsburgh's defense would be good, but I, yeah I can see them I can see them stumbling out of the blocks. They're not necessarily a they always play down to people too i I, I would lean Cleveland with, with nine points. Beat i
0: would I would probably lean Cleveland with nine points as well. Um, but since you like it, I'm probably going to go the other way. Well, I, 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 I,
1: how do you know I like it? You don't know that yet. I haven't said it.
0: You've said it for like six weeks already because yeah, I know. You're a loser. So I'm going to, you're a big, giant, fat loser. I'm going the other way. Yeah, the
1: loser that's beaten you the last two years in our contests.
0: Oh, you yeah, have it. Selective memory. So
1: the, uh, I will definitely take the Browns with the points in week number one, and I'll be miserable watching that. Um, Bears fans will might be miserable watching your NC State compatriot, Mike Glennon, start games this year. Glennon has won the gig. He will start week number one against the Atlanta Falcons at Soldier Field.
2: Yeah, and look, I think this is the way you want it to go for the Bears. I understand you, I'm gonna go against the grain here with the, 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 the Kaiser thing, because I, I don't think you need to find out if Trubisky is the guy this year, right? Like you're, you you have committed a second overall pick to him along with the trades to move up from the third spot. You are committed to to Mitchell Trubisky for the next several years. Um you don't need to find out if he's the guy. And you have the stretch of games to start the season that is unbelievably brutal. Atlanta at home, Tampa Bay on the road. They also get the Panthers at home, the Packers on the road, the Vikings the uh, Saints on the road, it's just—it's it's an 0-8, 0-8 stretch waiting to happen. And I think if you're Ryan Pace, you look at it like, all right, I'm going st- to start Mike Lennon. He's going to play. If we start out poorly, then I've got a built-in excuse to go to Mitchell Trubisky in the second half of the season and see what my young guys got. And if, yeah, if, if Mike Lennon plays really well, the Bears surprise some people, which they're probably not going to do. They already lost Cameron Meredith to an ACL injury for the season. They are thin at wide receiver. Kevin White is might be their number one wideout at this point. That's a, that's terrifying. And um, you know, I, I think if you're Chicago, you want to you want to give. I, I think there's an under under the table deal with Glennon that he's gonna get some playing time, regardless of the situation, because he signed because they drafted Trubisky without telling him. I would move to,
0: right to the to the rookie in that scenario as well. Just like Cleveland, play play him, get right to it. Don't wait. You know, look, the bottom line is the Bears aren't going to be any good either, so you might as well play the kid and find out what he is. Just because you signed Glennon doesn't mean you need to play Glennon. All you're doing is, is making it worse.
1: Um, Yeah, I, I, at some point, and we've talked about this, Trubisky's going to start no later than after the bye week because they are looking at that eight, 0 and 8 potential start. Um, But regardless, this wide receiving core is bad. Like, like the corpse of Victor Cruz... Kendall Wright's exhumed body, Kevin White's moving into that role. Now, Kevin White looked decent in the preseason game that Chicago played in against Tennessee on Sunday. I'm not saying he's Randy Moss, so please do not get it twisted here. Pete, do you think that Kevin White can put it together if he can stay on the field and at least be decent? Because, like, fantasy-wise, like, who the hell else is going to catch the ball for this team? So he's got a shot to put up some numbers.
0: Well, yeah, he, he does, but he's, again, with him, it's not the, the worst ability has been his availability, and he's got to be on the field, and, and that's the one thing. He's got big playability. I mean, the guy can get down the field. He's a long stride. He's, got, he's a big physical player. If he stays on the field and he works into a rapport with the quarterback, whoever it is, then I think he can put up good numbers.
1: Uh, speaking of week one starting quarterbacks, I can't believe it's come to this. The Jaguars announced over the weekend, Pete, that your guy Blake Bortles will start week number one in Houston.
0: It's the right decision.
1: I, it's not the Chad, right decision. It's
0: the it's wrong
2: decision. One hundred percent the right decision.
0: Chad Chad Henney is captain check down. Chad Henney doesn't have any pocket field. Chad Henney gets balls bad at the line of scrimmage. Chad Henney missed two open plays the other day where he didn't wait. He put his eyes he drew his eyes came down. He missed an open receiver. Look. Is Bortles any good? Chad no. Henney's a
2: rich man, Blake's
1: Bortles. so <laughs> no, Chad
0: Henney has no ability to get outside the pocket. Wait, hold on, I hold on, he's...
1: wait, wait. Will you agree with like, like Chad Henny sucks? No one's here saying Chad yeah. Henney's good, but Blake Bortles might be the worst quarterback in the league. Like Blake Henney's Bortles... better than Bortles.
0: No, he's not better than Bortles. He's not even close to being better than Bortles. Uh, Bortles not even be... close.
1: Pete Bortles he's is not... awful. Did you see? Have you seen Chad Henney play? My uh, counter terrible. to that would be: Have you seen Blake Bortles? He threw 64 touchdowns, 63 touchdown passes the last
0: two years. Chad Henne can't do that. You're they crazy. Both They're both. Oh, look, I would, I'd go sign Kaepernick. That's what I would do. And I don't think he's very good either. But how, I would go. Sign how Ka- much did
2: you give him? Two years, six million. Two years, years
0: six million dollars. And uh, unlike certain people in the media, think they want to just because Mike Lennon got a bad deal, go give Colin Kaepernick a bad deal.
2: I Did give, you see this conversation, Nick? Did you see this happen on? Was this on Friday? Yes, when, when yes I did. Did y'all talk about this already? We did. I mean, I listened to the podcast. I just didn't, you know, hear, I
1: didn't listen to it yet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's look, two well, years. it's, six it's okay. Million man. To be fair, if I'm not on it, I'm not listening either.
0: To be two fair. years, $6 million plus incentives. That's what I would give them. And I would give, I'd go get them. Uh, but look, the bottom line is that they're not very good at quarterback no matter who plays, even if it's Kaepernick. They're not any good at quarterback. They got to find a long-term answer. Bortles isn't that guy. Henny isn't that guy. Kaepernick wouldn't be that guy. He's in the draft next year, and he plays at the University of Wyoming and goes by the name of Josh Allen. That's their guy.
1: I'll tell you what. I like the kid that I saw, just as a quick side tangent, the Colorado State quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald. Nick, Nick Fitzgerald? Stevens. Nick Stevens. Yeah, he looked good on Saturday in there, went over uh, Oregon State. I had some people chirping me that he might be better than Josh Allen. That all remains to be seen conversation Somebody. for another day. Will, if you are um, Doug Marone or Tom Coughlin or whoever the hell is running the show, I mean Tom Coughlin. Who would you roll out week one, Bortles or Henny?
2: I would roll out Chad Henny and give Blake Bortles uh, yes. a breather and let him sit still. Let him breathe. Let him take He a
1: breathed last week.
0: He, he had a nice breath last week. They got to get off his back. You know what else they got to quit doing? Running on first down. Did you see the other day when they had a third and 17 and they ran a draw? Marone tried to explain it as a way. He's a terrible – off. their offense is outdated, archaic, and bad. They got to let him go. By the way. Take the Jaguars plus the points at Houston opening week. Guaranteed lock.
1: All right, cool. I can't wait to lay the points with the Texans then. No, I'm gonna
2: hammer tough. I'm gonna hammer the Texans and hammer the Texans first half. But I'm going to take the Jaguars in the second half when Henny comes in.
1: And I feel like Sean McDermott and the Bills might be getting hammered right now because they have traded yet another former high draft pick in the Doug Whaley-Rex Ryan regime. This happened just as we started recording today on Monday afternoon. Trading linebacker Reggie Ragland, last year's second-round pick, had a torn ACL, didn't play last year. Reggie Ragland goes to the Kansas City Chiefs for a fourth-round pick in 2019 so we can hit it from both perspectives let's start with buffalo though here will who continue to trade away those holdover players stocking picks it's very money ballish, almost like what we've seen the cleveland browns do in the the sashi brown paul de podesta era
2: i think one interesting thing about the bills is well, it's not interesting it's it socks for bills fans, but the bills um you know, they had this collection of guys from all these different it's sort of like a uh like a flea market really you know like it's not there's no consistent way that they acquired these guys. You know, Reggie Ragland was a, a second-round pick that Rex Ryan wanted, and who knows whether Doug Whaley wanted him. Um, You know, Sammy Watkins was Whaley's guy; he traded two picks for. And you know, they have it's, it's, it's this mishmash of collection of guys, and you can tell it's not going to be cohesive enough for them to win a bunch of football games. So what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are doing is saying, "Look, let's strip it down, acquire some assets, and use those assets to get our own players." Now, this is a great idea in theory. It only works in practice if Terry Pagula is committed to those two guys, and those two guys can utilize those picks to make proper selections. Like, the like, like Cleveland's doing a great job of this rebuild, but it's pointless if they don't pick the right guys and there's no patience from ownership. And the same thing applies to Buffalo. I think the really important thing, too, when you talk about Buffalo, is that <laughs> they're not going to win the division for two or three more years. I mean, however long Tom Brady plays, they're not winning that division – so why not do the strip down now? Just do the full overhaul and then try to see if you can get a quarterback, you know, get the future, add more players. Right now they just have this, you know, they're stuck in between like 3-4 and 4-3 personnel on defense. Watkins, you know, they wouldn't franchise tag. He was going to cost a ton of money. It's they're just they're they're floating in limbo and they're constantly trying not to rebuild. And I think that sometimes you do have to understand even in 2017 that it's it's time to rebuild. You can't just sit back and hope that Maybe you'll get lucky when you play in the AFC East. You got to remember, he's
0: also tore an ACL last year, so he's coming off of that injury, right? Uh, he's their new scheme. It's a four-three scheme with Leslie Frazier. They want their linebackers more with ability to run than thump, and he's a thumper, so he doesn't really fit. I think in Kansas City, he fits. Yep. They need. They need help at that position, and uh, and he can thump in the run game, and that's what I think he'll end up doing. So I think it's actually a pretty good trade for Kansas City if he's healthy and he's he can show he's back to his pre-ACL ways. And if you're the Bills, you're tanking. You're going to go going to go into the draft next year and load up and, and draft a lot of players and try to improve your football team.
1: One more week one spread question for you guys. The Buffalo Bills host the New York Jets. Oh. The, the Bills are a touchdown favorite. Who do you got as of right now with the points in that game against the spread? Who do you like?
2: What's the what's the spread again?
1: The Bills are a touchdown favorite at home against the Jets. That's how Pass. bad the Jets are. The Bills are a touchdown favorite.
2: Pass. Uh, I'll take the Bills. The Jets are terrible. Uh, can you know I tell you good? something? You know
1: Will I'm taking the Jets in that, but I may I bet would, it now because good. if Nathan Peterman starts, it's going to be like a six three final. You
2: know I would take
0: get to the points too as bad as they are
2: well yeah i guess the tyrod thing matters you know who might end up being like the number one fantasy running back wide receiver this year sean mccoy he's gonna get tons of check downs he catches mad passes so he's gonna be getting he's gonna get fed out of the backfield Did you just say he
1: catches mad passes mad
2: i think i did yo yeah, i, but I, I didn't
1: realize i thought that was something that like only like Northeasterners said i haven't heard one person that's since I moved down that. south say mad i say mad constantly as in well, this podcast man. has had this podcast has had mad interruptions because Pete Frisco's internet is mad awful. Like that, that would no, be yeah. <laughs>
0: I see Brinson fine. I see me fine, and you're frozen up. We actually got pictures of it. It's All right. great.
1: Okay, so we are through the football portion of the pod. Will Brinson please sound the spoiler alarm? Oh! Woo,
2: woo, woo, woo. Thrones time, baby. Thrones season finale is over. We saved it to the end. But um
1: Little Littlefinger's dead! I loved it! It was a great scene. Okay, so again, the spoiler alarm has been sounded. Will just gave you a spoiler, but he gave it to you after the alarm, to be fair. But again, if you do not want Game of Thrones spoiled, stop listening to the podcast and we'll talk to you Wednesday. If you are, however, a functioning member of, of American society, you watch the Game of Thrones season finale, and you can't wait for us to discuss it. Um, my first take, much better than last week, right, Pete Briscoe? This was a pretty good finale.
0: Yeah, it was a very good finale, but... It still left a little to be desired, and it was a little predictable for my standards. I mean, you, we saw the dragon coming. The Night King was going to get on dragons. Um, the dragons. He was going to burn down the wall. I mean, it was, it, oh my! The wall fell because the dragon could do it. I mean, it was a little predictable for me. I, I'm with Will. I thought the scene where they where Sansa did her uh, her her best ever acting like uh, Cersei was fantastic. I thought that was a great scene, but. I, you know, the scene with, uh what's his name, fighting on the beach? Stupid scene. No, really with Theon,
1: stupid. that was a great scene.
0: It was a stupid scene. It was irrelevant. You're where's, stupid. Where's
1: you The scene was great.
2: Where's the uh, relevance?
1: I'm, um. my
2: wife is big into Theon. She's just feel, she feels bad for him. and she's, She thinks he's the dude who plays Theon as a great actor. He is. Alfie Allen is great. Yeah, I couldn't be more annoyed with Theon. Get out of here, Theon. Just go, go, although the... The 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 kick in the wienerless nuts, area. can I say wienerless nuts on this podcast? I think so. The you just did. The wienerless crotch, the sausage crotch, and then Theod, like, got superpowers so for that. That was pretty amusing, at least from the perspective of, you know, then he, like, lost his mind and, and punched the guy. But, I mean, look, I, I th- on the dragon thing, it was kind of dull. Like, I thought the Night King flying the dragon was sort of dumb. Is he shooting fire or is he shooting ice? Is it, it looks like it's like, like it... blue
1: fire. It's not ice. Yeah.
2: The
0: Night King looks stupid. Be it's hotter fire by the way if it's blue.
1: Yes. No, I agree with that. And that's why it was able to take the wall down. Let me give you two takes that I had. Number 1, it was so awesome. Like I think the two best actors on the show are Peter Dinklage who plays Tyrion and Lena Headey yeah. who plays Cersei. So getting those two together for another scene was absolutely fantastic. And I liked the episode a lot, like a lot more than last week. My one complaint. I don't think that since and I'm I'm going to nerd out a little bit here. That since Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman in the Star Wars prequels have there been two on camera love interests with less chemistry on screen than Jon Snow, Kit Harington, and Daenerys Targaryen, Amelia Clark, like, like, like they just are not. I think they might be the two worst actors on the show. Those two, and it's just not believable that they like each other. Uh, like, I just don't believe it.
2: I, I don't. I don't mind. I don't. I don't get it. I don't, I don't mind them. And plus, like. They're sort of in love and they're related. They don't really know. And they don't know it. So maybe it's a hard thing to act. I, you know. I every, uh,
0: that show is in love and related. What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, true. I'll tell you who's annoying. Bran. He's like, yeah. I, know, I know everything. And then like Samwell shows up. He's like, oh, guess what? I was transcribing this diary. Oh, you haven't seen that in the future? Or oh, you didn't see that in the past? Yeah, like, why punk. does Bran only see this random crap that doesn't help anybody? Help somebody, man.
0: I agree. I, I, he's annoying. Somebody needs to put a, a big, uh, dragon glass across his neck to get <laughs> rid of him. Too. Jeez,
1: he's like a kid. He <laughs> wants to see his throat get slit. God. Um Well, they kill everybody in that thing. What are you kidding me? Um, they kill They
0: killed his brother.
1: The scene where they kill Littlefinger was pretty sweet, right?
0: That was a great scene. That was the best part of the whole show. That was the best, by far and away, was the best part of the whole show. I don't show.
1: know. The part when they, when they let the, uh, the white go and he ran at Cersei, that scene was pretty good as well.
0: Yeah, cause she never, sh- she didn't show any fear when the dragon was there, but she sure as hell showed fear when that thing came at her. That's the first time you've ever seen fear in her eyes. First time. That,
2: that I such will a great say actress. too, that the end result of this stupid, idiotic Jon Snow plot, or plan, and part of the plot to go to the north, and go across the wall, and to get the dead, to get the white, that, that wasn't quite finished, and there was all these, you know, the last two weeks, it did pay off in terms of Cersei buying in, and then of course you got the dragon that as a result of that whole process, the dragon ends up going to the, to the Night King. It's, but it's like, it, I think this is what's happening with the finale, is they have, they have an end result that they're trying to get to. Yep. It's gonna happen with the end of the series, and everything in between is gonna be problematic, because, uh, Weiss and DeBoff are not good enough at filling it in. What did Hordor. you just
1: call him? DeBoff?
2: DeBoff? How do you uh,
1: Benwoff? It starts with a B, Benoit? not a D. Weiss and Waff, I think it is. Um,
2: by the way, by
0: the way, it hasn't worked out. She's not joining him in the in the in the things, so though. It was all for naught.
1: Um, did you think that she was going to have her brother killed in that scene with the mountain? No.
2: Uh, uh, no, because I think that we know that Jamie is going to uh, interact with her in a similar fashion the other way later on, right? Like it has to be. I think, so. foretold. I think so. it's
1: I think so. The uh the reveal was pretty good we with John being years. Dagon. Oh, and it, and it is going to be two years apparently until the next season. It sucks.
2: It's terrible. And the and the episodes are going to be an hour and twenty minutes, or like or more something than that, like that. I think
1: it's going to be like an hour and a half, hour forty per episode.
2: That's less than an hour. That's less than one hundred twenty minutes.
1: Oh, two hours. Correct. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but yeah, you're right. Or, yes, I I, I fouled up the math.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's like, man, like. That's a long that's a long Sunday night.
1: Well, you know why they're doing that? Cuz the, the, the actors make so much pro- money. Yeah, cuz they're saving money because they don't get paid by the minutes. They get paid by the episode. So if they only do 6 episodes and they're 2 hours long, the actors get paid the same and they can take all that leftover money and splurge on special effects like they did um, last week with the with the dragon battles.
0: Yeah. Uh, I like the people stories better than all that crap anyways. Give me some people stories. I I, mean, I just, these bronze lines are the best ones in the whole thing. He's great. I mean, his lines are fantastic. The people stories are the best part of that show. That's the, where the writing has let off in the last four or five episodes is because they've gotten away from that. Do
1: you think <laughs> that there's any chance that, like, in the first episode of next season, that they kill the Night King and the White Walkers, and then the rest of the series is about, like, what happens afterwards and we get back to, like, the human elements of this and human plotting, et cetera?
2: No, no, no. It's going to get to um, – the Cersei stuff is going to get taken. I think it's more likely they kill Cersei in the first episode.
1: I hope not because she's such a good actress.
2: Yeah, but, like, they're going to wrap up that. You can't go to war against the Night King when you're battling somebody who's trying to kill you in the south. And so I think Jamie's going to – I mean, jamie rode out of, out, of, out of King's Landing, right? So he's going to go say, hey, guys, look, Cersei's kind of stabbing you in the back here. And then presumably they're gonna to have to make a decision on Cersei before they go after the Night King. Now that he's blown through the wall though, at Eastwatch, is it Eastwatch? Yes. I mean, what's the kind of time frame are we looking at for him to be in King's Landing? Episode it's not one.
1: E- episode one next season.
2: He'll be, he'll, I mean, he's, he's in Westeros right well, now.
1: I, oh, well, I, well, like he'll be at Winterfell episode one probably next season.
2: Right, one would assume so, with a dragon. With a dragon. That and then
0: let's let's wait for the inevitable where the big the big giant dragon fights the dragon he ha- now has. That's coming, right? I mean, that's there's the mean the mean dragon she always flies around on. That's gonna fight. Clearly, he's gonna kill the other brother or whatever that thing is. Well, John's and then gonna ride the other dragon. Yeah, but one of the one's gonna die, the, 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 the new, the White Walker dragon will kill the other dragon, then the big dragon Drogon. will kill the White Walker dragon. That's I
2: gotta, it. I gotta, I gotta tell you this, uh, Bovada has some odds on this. Will another one of Daenerys' dragons die? No is minus 800,
1: yes is plus 450. Well, he's, the, he's well, the reason why is he, because John's gonna ride the other one that's alive.
0: It doesn't matter. The, the one, the White Walker dragon will kill the other dragon, and then the one that she rides all the time will kill the White Walker dragon. Right, That's so what's going to happen.
1: Here's the big question. Will they update the Game of Thrones slot machine with anything that we saw from this season? Like, like, will we get the Beyond the Wall battle in the Game of Thrones slot machine for next summer in Vegas with us on Team On Shark?
0: Maybe, maybe we will. One thing you don't want is his hand on the slot machine, cause that's a loser. Well, Pete, Whenever you get no, Jamie, no, Jamie's hand, it's a loser.
1: No, Will, I, I do remember though watching Pete lose $130 in that slot machine in the span of about 5 minutes.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much like one of the five or six oh, best moments of my life. I put twenty. I did not. <laughs> you two did. I put twenty in and had it up to one hundred and forty. You two, had, you two lost like one hundred and forty each in about two minutes. By so you the way, were I, I a still, I still worth, owe you. you were holding a
2: ticket. You're holding a ticket that was worth four hundred and forty dollars, and then you lost it. Did you right. lose one hundred forty dollars, or did you no? Know?
0: I put one hundred. I put twenty in to get the one forty or one twenty, and then I lost that.
2: Well,
1: so I, I still I, owe you twenty bucks for that, right? That is correct. All right, you
0: were there. being you so, were being a cheap bass. Sounds like usual. now this
1: is as good a time as any to end the podcast. Listen, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, leave that five star review. We really appreciate it, especially me. I'm the insecure one. It helps me sleep better through the night. Our our picks game, um, CBS Sports.com backslash Pick Six. We'll plug that leading up to the season as well for Will Brenson and Pete Frisco. I'm Nick Costos. We will see you coming up Wednesday, Pick Six, CBS Sports.